2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you guys are getting through the week well. Got a great show planned for you, as always. Um, yeah, later in the show, we're going to be talking about uh, disappointments and failures around our anatomical functioning in those key intimate moments when we're uh, with other people. But uh, I wanted to open the show, um, well, we're gonna talk about a few things, but the first thing I wanna just mention is the pride flag, so fascinating. So Pride Month is here um, and the intersexed community, uh, an individual from that community out of England has updated the pride flag to include a symbol that honors intersex individuals. Um, Well, let's break that down, why? Well, intersexed individuals are a community that are a minority right? Not a huge part of the population, not often visible. We've had someone on the show to talk about it in the past, but um, it's something we need to raise more awareness around. And it means a lot of different things, but the basic definition for intersex is um, different situations, uh, different scenarios in which a person is born with sexual anatomy um, externally or internal reproductive anatomy that doesn't fit male or female, right? It might be one on the outside, the opposite on the inside, It could be both. It could be not necessarily differentiable, right? And um, we're now realizing that there's a lot of different ways that our bodies can express themselves. And historically, doctors would make the decision for the child. And the intersex community is saying it is not medically necessary, right? It's just about trying to create normality. And that's not needed. And that can create a lot of trauma. And that can create a lot of confusion. And uh, that it's not as simple as saying, ah, it looks more like a, um, you know, what we would deem to be traditionally male anatomy, so we'll go with that, and we'll just trust that that feels comfortable for the individual. We have a lot of cases where it's quite the opposite, and a lot of trauma has occurred. So the intersex community is saying, "Please don't fix us. We're not bad or broken. We're different. Our, you know, bodies, uh, part of the human human world, are are varied, and um, you know, a lot of the research originally, a lot of this stuff came out of John Money's research over at um, John Hopkins in Baltimore." And um, he had a couple of famous cases where these surgeries led to a lot of trauma and suicidality because you can't choose a gender for someone, uh, change their body to match that gender, and raise them in a certain direction and think all is well. It doesn't work like that. Um, so it was added to the flag as a way to acknowledge, to incorporate in. And some people started getting bent, bent out of shape because the flag was updated to include people of color. And and you know I I posted it on my social media. And one of the things that I said, and I think that this is really important because expect more changes to come, right? As new individuals and identities are brought forward or recognized or whatnot. And that the pride flag, it's an active and ever changing symbol, right? So we have to let it have a fluidity to match what's going on currently, so it's an active, ever-changing symbol of all the beautiful and diverse ways that identity, sexuality, bodies, and gender exist. So get familiar with it changing and growing and expanding. That's how identities, sexualities, and bodies work. We're no longer living in a time where people are forcing themselves into male or female categories because it's not honest. That's not real. That's not true. People exist beyond that. And we're now honoring that and legitimizing that. And so the pride flag will continue to be updated because it's supposed to hold space for a lot of people that are excluded from main culture, traditional culture, if they're not cis and hetero. Everyone outside of that kind of folds in there. So it's a vast community and it's meant to honor everyone. So again, get familiar with it being ever evolving, just like language. But language is always been an ever-evolving thing. That's the kick, right? When people are saying, oh, this pronoun stuff and all these terms, language has always been that way. Language is about meeting the needs of people. The, the, the The definitions of things and dictionaries are constantly adding new terms. Language evolves. So don't be shocked when language evolves, as does gender and sexuality. And I know that we're in a time period where it's evolving faster and more expansively beyond what some people can keep up with, but that's okay. You don't need to keep up with everything. You know, It's about compassion and respect. So expect more from that flag. Um, we haven't hit max capacity, uh, but I was having a conversation over the weekend about this and uh, a family member of mine was getting frustrated and I was saying, get familiar now with the idea that it will always be growing and normalize that and and also understand its purpose, to be inclusive of a lot of individuals And so its job is to be an active, open-ended thing that's always evolving to symbolize all the things it needs to symbolize, right? Um, And I love that because a lot of people I'm working with are finding mental health in them exploring their gender, in them exploring their sexual orientation, in them exploring their relational styles and configurations. And that's what the world should be about. labels and institutions meeting the needs of people not people squeezing themselves into the few options that are available right that needs to change and evolve so so be supportive of that um so we'll be talking later in the show again about sexual functioning and uh, when we get back from the break we're gonna talk about ways to get more out of your therapy sessions you know we don't want to go into therapy not aware of what we should expect and what's possible so we're going to talk about ways to kind of get more from that um dms are always open so if you got a dm for us drop it in our loveline ig page always open always happy to hear from you and past episodes of loveline are always over at wearechannelq.com scroll down look for my face click on it bam there they all are you're listening to loveline with dr chris loveline is brought to you by astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone taking a little break we'll be back
0: call from mom answer it call silenced
3: All right, we're back. and We're talking about ways to get more out of therapy. That's right. Therapy's awesome. It's an effective tool. But it falls on the consumer to do the most out of it, to get the most out of it. Remember, the most important parts of therapy happen out in the world. Therapy, what happens in the room, is only responsible for such a small percentage. It's what you go out and do between sessions, right? Remember, therapy is about an hour or less in the course of a, a week full of hundreds of hours, right? And so that little 45 minute to 50 minute session can't can have the expectation of being everything and all things, right? It's what you go and do with the insights, what you go and do with the learning, right? How you enter the world differently, how you go out and practice. Therapy's a practice, so know that. It's not just about what you do in those sessions, it's about what you do between sessions. That means more. How do we internalize it? How do we practice that, right? How do we build it in? Um, so do know though that it's helpful. Choosing a therapist that fits you is important. Um, really looking at what they specialize in is important, right? And um, Know that it's not a one size fits all. A lot of therapists will come from different backgrounds with different orientations, different definitions of mental health, different goals. So you wanna really be thoughtful about that. What are your goals? What is your definition of mental health? You have to find a therapist that aligns with that, right? You wanna make sure it's someone that you feel there's a good fit. Um, Most therapists on their websites And wherever they advertise, we'll talk about those things. I understand that a lot of these words are hyper-intellectualized, hyper-academic, and not everyone understands what these buzzwords or key terms mean. So it's okay to inquire about that, right? It's okay to let them know what your goals are. It's okay to ask them how they feel about certain things. Um, I know some clients want to find someone who's sex worker-friendly, LGBTQIA-friendly, poly-friendly, kink-friendly. Those are all important things. So continue to ask those questions. Some people that are black or of color want a therapist that's black or of color. Some people that are gay want a gay therapist. Until you understand that. And it can work in all different directions. I work with some clients that it's really healing to have um, a healing, safe, intimate relationship with a man as myself. Um, And the fact that they're not a man, working with a man gives them a healthy relationship to go back out into the world and try to mimic and mirror and it can be very healing. And then for others it's quite the opposite where maybe too much trauma occurred with people that are male or male identified. And so for them, it's important that they work with someone who's female, right? So you have to really kind of ask yourself those questions. Can't always be about comfort, sometimes it has to be. Other times it's about, will it be um, challenging in a healthy transformative way to work with someone of a specific gender or race or background? Because it can really kind of go in either way. But more importantly, be prepared to go in there and be open and honest and transparent you know the goal of therapy is to have it be that one relationship where you can safely explore and discuss everything because there's something really healing in having a human being sit there and bear witness to everything you're going through without judgment but we'll help you dig around and pick through and and look at how what you can learn about yourself what you can heal what you need to leave behind what you can take forward creating a new narrative around things maybe instilling some confidence talking about some skills and tools it's, very, it's It varies, and every client I work with, the therapy looks a little bit different depending on what that person's special needs are and, and what they're trying to do in the world and what their goals are. But you wanna go in there being honest. And that exposure, that transparency, that vulnerability is how we really work on reducing shame. We move through a world where we have so many different forces telling us to be something other than ourselves, our gender, our class, our race, our profession, our roles in the world. Oh, you can't do that. You're a mom. Oh, you can't do that. You're a doctor. Oh, you can't do that. You're black or you can't do that. You're gay or you're straight. or that's only for women. But we live in a world that's always pulling us away from who we are and trying to make determinations and expectations based on these different categories. Therapy is a place to leave that all behind and say this is who I really am and to have someone bear witness to that. Help reduce shame around that because that's the goal in mental health is to be our full and total authentic selves in every single setting with every single individual and not having to keep shifting around to meet different needs and different people's expectations. That's how we get away from professionalism, respectability, politics, gender roles, racism, classism, and try to get back to truth, right? Another thing you wanna think about is you need to be consistent. So, you know, some people can get something by doing therapy as a one-off or a two-off, but in general, it's like medication. There's a certain amount of a dosage that's needed. You need to get traction. I know it takes at least, for me, up to maybe five sessions for me to even feel like i've connected and attached and bonded with the person it takes me working with someone many many sessions to really feel like i'm getting a grasp on their true issues on their real psyche and to really set better treatment goals so you have to put time in um, the studies show over and over that to, to see even the smallest amount of true improvement it can take six months to a year but that makes sense we've lived years reinforcing strengthening and it's not going to be just a few sessions that are going to resolve and heal. And I don't think it should. I don't think that expectation should be there. Insurance companies want you to want to only give you twelve sessions. That's three months. That is not enough to undo years and years or decades and decades of trauma, or or enough time to unlearn a lot of things that we've learned. Um, I think short-term therapies can work for some things and some people, but in general, it's a longer-term process. So be be ready for that, but also be consistent. You know, leaving a lot of gaps and space between sessions doesn't always allow for enough traction, enough focus, enough intensity sometimes. So before you get into therapy, make sure that's something that you can really be a part of and committed to. Um, another thing I talk to some clients about is, is taking notes during or after. You know, something that's really powerful during a therapy session might not stay with us. So we want to write down thoughts, perspectives, ideas, mantras, things that we want to kind of hold close or carry with us. So we say journal. I tell a client after certain sessions, take some time, sit with what we just talked about, write down some key things that you want to remember, hold yourself accountable to, or take with you, write that down. I also like people taking notes between sessions to bring in ideas or thoughts, because something might happen that's impactful, and meaningful, and then we kind of lose lose focus or, or, or connection to it. But yet there's still something meaningful or something we can learn in it. So I tell people to keep a journal throughout their entire time of being in therapy. I think it's great even when not in therapy, but I think especially when in therapy, paying attention to new insights, things you're learning, things you're getting hung up on, things you've even resolved and you want to kind of celebrate, right? Like that's a beautiful part of it too focusing on and, 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 really celebrating, you know, the positives and the benefits. Um, all right, we got to take a, uh, quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about how to get the most out of therapy. You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about how to get more out of therapy um first thing i was saying is you know a lot of therapy is what you do between sessions all of those hours that you are out in the world you want to be practicing things reinforcing things sitting with things trying out new ways of being and perspectives you can't just think it's just only if that matters is what you do in that office and nothing else counts also make sure you're committed like we were saying in the earlier segment it takes time Six months to a year to start making really necessary improvement. It takes a long time to unlearn and undo and to challenge and to practice. So make sure you're really in it for the long haul. Also go in there open and honest. Shame is is what we wanna work through and break through while in therapy. So really make it your job to be as vulnerable and authentic and honest as you can. But you have to find the right therapist to feel safe doing that. I was saying it takes me many sessions to really bond or attach with a lot of clients to really feel like we have a true relationship because that's what's needed to really create change. If I'm just random person, right, that we haven't formed a real relationship with, it's the transformations and the interventions aren't going to be as meaningful and impactful. I always know if I've really gotten in and connected with someone that a lot of good change is going to happen. Um, Consistent as well. Takes time, and I was talking a lot about the power of journaling before, during, and after. You know, a lot will emerge. Writing it down, tracking it, right between sessions, after sessions, documenting all the things that were meaningful that you want to really hold on to and be reminded of. It also is beautiful years later to go back and look at all the insights, how you've grown, how you've changed. Um, but practicing is the most important part of it. Insight's great, but it's insight and behavior change that really creates true transformation. So it's about insight, knowing what I wanna work on and who I am and how I see the world, and then going out and practicing that, having new behaviors, new ways of being, stepping into our anxiety. That's really where the work happens. Something makes you a little anxious, just that right amount of anxiety where you're not overwhelmed or flooded, but enough where change will happen. The most powerful neurological changes happen with that necessary level of anxiety. That's where neuroplasticity really kicks in and our nervous system really shifts when there's just that functional amount of anxiety. It's functional. Feel a little anxiety, but it's not going to, you know, keep us keep us out, keep us down, overwhelm us, right? But you got to practice. Um, therapy sessions are but a bleep on the screen, right? So the biggest difference comes for people who are always tracking their own goals, right, and are going out and trying to make progress in what we're talking about. If you don't practice what you're learning during the week, it's hard for the learning to actually stick and get built in right? You don't want to put all that time, energy, and money, and then again, leave everything behind in therapy sessions. So, you know, if I say to a client, so how did it go with what we talked about last session or some of the goals we set? And if you can't even remember what we talked about or the goals, then please, you want to definitely be one of those people that keeps a journal during the session and after the session. You definitely want to be someone who is bringing a little more consciousness into the sessions as well, because if they're left behind, so is maybe that learning and the change. Um, And again, that's why it's important to have the right kind of therapist, because you need to trust the journey that they're taking you on. And you have to be confident and willing to really share with the therapist how it's feeling and how it's going. I know we can't work with everyone. We can't. I'm a person. I have my own stuff. And there's some people that maybe trigger some of my own stuff, my own traumas, and it's not right that I'm working with them and I need to refer them out. There's also some people where I might bring up stuff for them that's going to be too much for them to work through. And there might be some people where our personalities don't match and we don't really enjoy each other. I think part of good therapy is you generally enjoy each other. You like your time that you're spending together. I practice relationally, I don't believe in practicing as though I'm cold, cut off, I don't exist. It's like, no, I'm a person. I'm a public figure. People are on my Instagram, my social media. They have a sense of who I am. I bring all that in. Completely boundaried, but I'm a real person. And my personhood matters and impacts the work. And so I realize I can't work or help everyone. Just not how the world works. I'm a person. So you want to make sure you enjoy your your therapist. You feel safe with them, right? You like them. I do think those words matter. You have to enjoy each other. It's a very sacred space. Your therapist wants to help you. Right? But what, what what works for one person can't work for everyone. And so you have to be willing to give that feedback. You know, hey, I'd love it if you challenged me more. Hey, I'd love it if we focus more on some goals between sessions or homework, right? And also be open to some external education. I reference clients, or I ref, or for my clients, I sometimes refer them to different websites, or books, or even some films to really watch, to help further educate, to help them go deeper. Have a willingness to do that. And that's why therapy is something that's a big commitment. It might not be the right time for you. Realize that, you know, I don't have a lot of time, or I don't have the energy, right? Maybe come back to it at another time, because it's a true relationship. And like we're saying, the time and money, you want to get your most out of it. But even bigger than that, there's a certain amount of traction that's needed. You have to be going consistently for a certain amount of time, you know, and wholeheartedly showing up. And so um, just kind of check in on that. That's really important stuff. I, I I try to always tell people in earlier sessions, like, hey, this is what the journey is going to look like. Make sure you're really committed and you're up for it. I know that we have very busy, complex lives, right? And so it's okay to recognize that this is something I just can't step into right now. Some, same how the world goes with everything, hobbies, education. You have to make sure that you can really go on the full journey. Um, okay, so coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So uh, if you got a DM for us, drop it on our Loveland IG page. Um, it's always open. Anything you're thinking about, someone else might be too as well. So put it on in there. And if you want clarification, you want me to go deeper into a topic that you're wondering about or something we've talked about on the show, let us know producer alex is uh collecting them so uh say hello in there but um yeah we'll be back you're listening to loveline with dr chris loveline is brought to you by astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone stick around y'all we will be back all right, we're back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs.
1: Gliding into the DMs.
3: Brought to you by Astroglide. DMs come from our Loveland AG page. You got something for us? Drop it in there. Anything you're wondering about? Ask away. Topic you want me to clarify? Drop deeper into. Bring it on. We got your back. Uh, this one says, "Hey, Dr. Chris." Oh, here we go. I have three kids: a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-year-old. Bum bum bum. Well done. They're not doing so well in this pandemic. I feel as though I am losing my mind, you say. My wife is an essential worker and working very hard, and I'm at home doing my best to hold down the fort. I love that. Uh, Well done, sir, well done. Uh, Is it selfish of me to tell my wife I need a break? What an important question. Um, you know, this actually, this comes up often in very diverse ways. Like what, depending on what other people around us or part of our family or our our lives might be doing, do we have a right while maybe feeling as though we're not doing as much to still ask for our needs to be met, right? And that's kind of what I'm hearing in this question. And it, it brings us into a deeper topic of mental health. Everyone's mental health matters and the expectations upon each of us can't be the same. I say this all the time to everyone, employers, to teachers, to parents. It's called psychology. You can never say, well this is what everyone gets or we we ex- we treat everyone the same or everyone gets the same. No. Mental health doesn't care about that. Everyone has a different everyone has different mental health. Everyone has a different psychology. Everyone has different trauma. We everyone needs different accommodations. Everyone's equal but they need different accommodations. Uh, your child who has a learning disability or struggle might need more care and attention academically. Your other child who might be more emotionally sensitive might need a little more emotional social handholding. Like it's called psychology. It's called mental health. So your wife might be working long hours and an essential worker, but your wife might have more resilience and, and you might not, you might not have as great coping mechanisms And the few hours or the many hours you're putting into parenting at home might be beyond what you can manage. You know, it. Our nervous system and our brains don't care about what the expectations on, on us are based on our role, our gender, or whatever it is. You need what you need. And if you need a break, you need a break. And I will, I will always advocate for people to ask for what they need. If you need a mental health break, you need one. Even if you just took one, if you need one again, well, that's where you are and that matters. I'm so glad we're doing this. Naomi Osaka, like the tennis player and other people, they're finally calling it out. Like, just because we succeed or incompetent in one domain doesn't mean that we don't need help in others and our mental health always matters. Ask for what you need. If you need a break, you need a break. You know, I don't want people moving from stress into burnout and from burnout into deeper mental health issues or maybe maybe physical health, uh, physical issues. Like this all impacts your immune system, your blood pressure, your heart health. Um, But even before that, I don't want people getting into burnout. So if you're feeling like you're starting to get stressed, you know what the solution is? There's only one solution. If we're moving towards stress, we need to take a break, drop the expectations, delegate and ask for help, or walk away from the situation. And I don't care what else is going on, if that's what your mental health needs, ask for it. But it becomes a conversation. You say to your wife, I know you're working long, hard hours. I feel as though I need a break based on what's going on for me or my life or whatever it is. And you talk about how that's possible, if at all that's possible. Maybe it's something that has to happen down the road. I don't know, but I wanna believe that you have the kind of relationship where that can be discussed and maybe accommodated. Maybe you need to turn to a family member to step in and do some childcare while you take some time. You know, but I also remind people sometimes we need to carve it in within the current context. Can you find some activities to have your children focus on so you can take time to breathe, rest, do something full of joy, something restful, something that helps you check out or distract? Maybe the kids for the next couple of days with you will be watching more movies because that allows your mind to rest and your mind to wander and that soothes. I don't know. Maybe you'll take the kids to the park. And they can play, and you can sit there and do what you need to do. Spend some time outdoors, fresh air, see some people, sunlight, bring a book. I don't know, you know? So talk about it. I have to imagine you can talk about it, you know? So, so, so do that. Bring that in. That's what you need. I will always advocate for people's mental health needs getting met, whatever they are, you know? So don't feel bad about it. That's something we don't need to add on to it, you know what I mean? Feeling shame or guilt because we have the psychology we have or because we're stressed out or burnt out. You know what I mean? Don't don't add that extra layer, you know? Life is tough enough as it is. We need to all be there for each other in that way. All right, coming up next we're gonna talk about uh, how to deal with erectile disappointments for those of us that are penis owners. And for those that aren't, maybe you will uh, be interacting with one at some point point. need to also understand this stuff. It helps us all, you know? We're all going to learn together. And then, of course, we'll be gliding back into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astro Glide. We'll be back.
0: Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astro Glide.
3: All right, we're back, and uh, as promised, we are talking about penis owners and uh, some reasons why maybe you can't maintain your erections. Uh, I wanna talk more about uh, penis, the sexuality and uh, expectations we should have on those that are penis owners, and of course I use that word because some women have penises, some men have penises, some non-binary people have penises. We can't just say men anymore, Um, because again, we have trans women who um, sometimes have penises. And uh, anyone who's dealing with erections, um, whether you are on the uh, owner side or the receiver side (laughs) needs to understand what we can expect. Because remember, sometimes the penis owner doesn't have any shame or anxiety, but it's uh, projected onto them and they internalize it based on the lack of maturity or understanding of healthy sexuality and healthy bodies of the partners that they're with, right? So it is important for everyone to have better understandings. Um, But this isn't so much about um, the sexuality as much as what are some of the reasons or some of the root causes as to why our bodies don't always function the way we want. Now, we're talking from a psychological perspective. Um, Medical perspective, it could be because of issues with uh, your heart, arteries, blood flow. The determinant that usually really speaks to, wow, this might be more relational, contextual, or... You know, partner choice is if you are able to get erections while having sex with yourself, if you wake up with morning erections, then um, it's going to be relational, contextual, or, you know, partner choice. If... You never are able to get or keep erections. You are not able to get them or keep them when masturbating and alone with yourself. You are not able to get them or keep them during the night or waking up with them. Well, then you definitely wanna go see your primary care physician or a urologist. But again, if you wake up with erections, you get them during the night and you get them with yourself, well, then we know that it's not a um, ongoing, chronic, universalized issue. It's specific. And we're looking at some of the specific reasons as to why sometimes you're not functioning the way you want what are the reasons what are the things i need to know but again for some of us you know your partners future partners current partners aren't always listening to the segment so you have to be a part of helping them you know this is also where i bring up the topic of things like porn you know unfortunately because we have crappy sex ed and um A lot of people haven't had a lot of sexual partners, which I want them to, the more sex we have, the more we reach those developmental milestones, the more we understand healthy sexuality, we hope. But again, a lot of people learn only in porn by watching porn, and porn has edits. It has people taking pills and using injections, right? It gives people the time they need off camera to get erect and step back onto set. So that's why we only see people perfectly functioning the way they need. Um, Porn isn't meant to be sex ed, it's art, it's entertainment. Just like films. Films don't show people failing at sex, right? Films just show what they're trying to deliver in terms of their message. So, you know, again, remember that. Porn has people using AIDS, individual AIDS, uh, partner AIDS, whatever it is, you know? and that's one of the things that comes into my office. A lot of people will say, oh, well, I'm not operating this certain way. And I'll say, where did you get the idea that that's how it should always be? And we'll talk more about that in a different topic, uh, a different segment. But I wanted to zero in more on what are some of the reasons? Well, you have to understand first off that arousal is very complex. It is not as, as simple as if you were interested in me, if you were in love with me, if I turned you on, then all would be well. That's, a very, that, that's very elementary in, in understanding. Okay, so I want to kind of call that out. Um, our arousal systems often are not at all tied to our thoughts about our partner, or they very much are, but we want to not always personalize. It's, it's sometimes not at all about you, and we're going to kind of talk about that. Um, but I want people to have a better expectation as to what they can control, what they can't control, right? And just, again, know that sometimes it's making about making a few tweaks, and other times it's larger than that. So one of the number one reasons is we have to remember that <clears throat> your penis is not a sex toy. There's a cultural myth that is perpetuated by you know friends, partners, porn, movies, whatever it is, that if you have a healthy penis and you're turned on by your partner, that you will always get hard and stay hard as needed upon request for as long as you want, blah, 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 blah. And it just, no no aspect of life works that way. No aspect of our bodies works that way. No aspect of sexuality works that way. And absolutely no aspect of psychology or emotionality operates that way, right? Um, So many factors matter right? Complexity, as I said again. So if you want something that's always going to work when you want it to work in the ways you want it to work for as long as you want it to work on demand, go get a sex toy. Go get a sex toy because that is the only surefire way. Because I have to remind you all, um, I work from a mental health perspective and I work from a pleasure-based model. So I don't work with on clients. I don't work with clients on getting hard and staying hard by all means at any cost because that's body negative and that's sex negative. Being body positive means honoring what our body is communicating. Being body positive means honoring what's possible for our bodies, not forcing them, not challenging them, and not shaming them. Being body positive is working with our bodies as they are or as they're operating in the moment. Being sex positive is about acknowledging that sex is not about orgasms. It's not about penetration. It can be. But that sex is truly and first about pleasure, connection, or entertainment. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, we got to take a little break. When we come back, though, we're going to keep talking about erections, healthy perspectives, and expectations. are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by AstroGlide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around. We'll be back. Alrighty, we're back. And we're talking about uh, erections for uh, penis owners. I want everyone to be more aware of the information we're talking about. So please post this segment, share this segment, talk to your friends about it. We have to get this information out there. We're working on being body positive and sex positive. Body positivity, when we're talking about it within a uh, sexual lens means honoring our bodies, the body we have, not the body we we want to have. It's about honoring the way our penises function. It's about honoring the size of our penises. It's about honoring what our body or arousal system or what our relationship is requiring or needing in that moment. And we're going to talk about some of the reasons that that comes to be. But we're starting with this idea that erections and penises will never do what you want when you want for how long you want. It just doesn't work that way. Being body, body positive is saying, what's possible for me today? Honoring what's happening. If you're not staying erect, you honor that. Well, luckily I have fingers. Luckily I have a mouth. Luckily we have sex toys. We can stay in pleasure because that's the sex positive piece. That I have no job here. There's no goal right? There's no specific way to function. It's not about optimization. It's not about success. It's about, I'm here with another partner or I'm here with other partners and we're going to have fun and we're going to do it however we do it. And I'm going to listen to my body and I'm going to follow my pleasure and maybe we'll penetrate. Maybe we won't, maybe we'll orgasm, maybe we won't, but we're here in this moment. And that's, that's what I work with clients on. I don't say to them, by all means, we're going to get you hard and we're going to get, you know, sex successfully completed. No. We're going to focus on pleasure. We're going to focus on letting go. We're going to focus on expanding what our skill set is in those moments. Um, Here's the other thing. Remember that it's not erectile dysfunction that we're often talking about. It's erectile disappointments. Yeah, it's disappointing you or let you down. That is part of being a sexual human being. Also know healthy penises have that variation. Sometimes they do what we want. Sometimes they don't. It's part of life. Now, more powerfully, it's also an important part of aging. And you can deal with that now and get familiar and comfortable with that or you can wait until it starts to happen. But at some point, we need to realize our aging body will create erections that fail us. This goes for everyone's anatomy. If you're a vagina owner, your vagina will fail you. It will not, sex will not feel the same way it used to. The vaginal walls will thin. You will maybe lubricate less in the amount or less less often. Sex might start to become painful. You might realize I no longer enjoy penetrative sex right? We know that most women require clitoral stimulation to orgasm. So penetration isn't even enough for most women or vagina owners anyway, because men have vaginas at times too. So as we age, we have to get familiar with our bodies failing us and really say, what is sex about? It's a calling to have a more mature perspective. It's about fun. It's about connection. It's about entertainment. It's about intimacy. It's about self-soothing, whatever it is. But that can't always mandate that I need to have an erection on demand for as long as I want. It just doesn't work like that. I promise you, as you age, it's a healthy part of aging to have erectile disappointments. So expect it. It's not if, it's when, and it's how will you and your partner deal with that. And there's also something about healthy partner choice where healthy adults aren't going to shame you or problematize that. They're just trying to be there with you. So there's also like your partner's response tells you about their sexual health, about their mental health. It also tells you how they feel about you. It also tells you how healthy they are as a partner. I don't want people having sex with people that aren't sexually mature or sexually healthy because we internalize that our self-esteem is impacted by that. I want people to want better. I want people to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to stop you. Let's call it a night. I don't like the way you're talking about me or my body, or I don't like the way that you're approaching sex. We're here to have fun and I'm not going to let my penis get shamed. You know what I mean? I want people to say that about penis size, penis functioning. Like we need to move more towards that angle. That's more healing, right? So as you age, expect more of it, right? You will experience, as you age, far more penile letdowns, right? And you may need to expand your sexual maturity by not seeing sex as solely penetratively focused or even penis focused. There are a lot of ways to be sexual with another individual, right, or expanding. Another reason, so that's the first reason, that you're just a healthy, natural human, then things happen. Sorry, it's more you're a healthy, healthy person and understandably, naturally things will sometimes not be the way we want. That's, that's how I wanted that statement to be delivered. Um, I forgot that with radio, things live on forever now. So I want to make sure I get my statements as correct as possible. Um, I don't want to get emails. Uh, next point. Maybe you aren't sexually compatible. What? I know people think if I'm attracted to my partner enough or I love them enough, well, sex is just going to work out. No, it won't. It's, it's its own level of compatibility. It's not promised because other levels of compatibility or desire or attraction are there. It doesn't work like that. So, yeah, it's a huge bummer when you find your partner really hot, really cool, really sexy, but you guys don't have sexual compatibility. Sexual compatibility is about the kind of sex you like to have, when you like to have it, where you like to have it. None of that is promised, again, because you think someone's cool, hot, or sexy, or you're married, or you have 10 children, or whatever it is. But people do that. They'll delay sex until marriage. Horrible idea. That is a huge commitment to make. Assigning all those documents, going through all those social performances that we go through and blending your lives and just trusting and assuming that sex is gonna work itself out. It doesn't, good luck. I want everyone having sex. It's a part of dating. Part of dating is having sex and exploring all levels of compatibility to decide if you are compatible enough with this person or persons to form a relationship. Please don't think it'll just figure itself out. So yeah, that's a bummer. Attraction is not always enough to get us erect or keep us erect. Sexuality, as we're talking about, is far more complex than that. And sexual chemistry is this mysterious formula that is so beyond our control that it can't be created, forced, or just willed into existence. You cannot just demand that compatibility and chemistry will be there. If you have chemistry, meaning attraction, we can work with that but we can't completely create compatibility if it's not there. If you like sex very differently, the things you like to do, how you like to do it, where you like to do it, we can move plus or minus a little bit, but we can't completely necessarily interject that. So sometimes we have to acknowledge, sadly, if we're attracted to someone and they're cool, that maybe it's just meant to be friends, unless we learn how to deal with the sex pieces. and that's kind of what I do as a sex therapist. I, I, I hope that there's a basis of attraction and chemistry. And then we try to work with that, try to play around with some of the compatibility and see if we land somewhere that feels good and is improved, but not always, not always possible. Going to take a little break. When we come back, I'm um, going to keep talking about uh, reasons why maybe your erections aren't doing what you want. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about why uh, we are not getting the erections we want. Um, you know, talking about how part of having a healthy body and being a uh, penis owner means it will let us down, it will fail, so it will frustrate us, frustrate us. And that we have to expect that. That's part of aging as well. Not if, but when. So get familiar with that. We are not a sex toy. If you want, you know, your expectations to always be met, please go get one. But we're having adult sex that's rooted in pleasure. It's a relational model, it's rooted in pleasure and relationality. It's about connecting, being with each other, pleasure, fun, entertainment. It doesn't demand erections, penetration, and not always even orgasms. And as we age, it's even more mandatory because our other point we were saying, you might not even be sexually compatible, that might be the problem, right? Sometimes the problem is um, there's no compatibility there or there's no chemistry there, right? Also, here's the other downside. This just is, this is not me weighing in on it, this just is. Um, when we get into relationships, especially committed ones, especially committed monogamous ones, it's all about familiarity. It's all about consistency. Unfortunately, those two things are killers of high arousal. High arousal is born out of newness and novelty. And that's why sex with a new partner will always give us our best shot for most people. If you're demisexual, where a sexual arousal comes down the line, as does maybe attraction or chemistry after you've gotten to know someone, you might thrive in that environment. But most of us don't. And there's even some people that are phrase sexual, which means it's really hot in the beginning when there's space and distance and you don't know them well, but as you start to build a relationship, it tapers off and completely stops. And those people are meant to be in non-monogamous relationships. Um, but commitment kills sexuality for a lot of us. Um, that newness, that novelty is gone, right? Less sexual desire is part of monogamy for a lot of people. It's not a disorder, it's just part of that system, it's a truth right? Um, Commitment and monogamy have great benefits. Not knocking it at all, ever. Um, But it can also do damage to the intensity that early sexuality can have or sexuality when we're dating people. So know that. Maybe you're not compatible. Maybe you don't have the right expectations on how a healthy penis operates. Maybe it's also that the way you've chosen to run your relationship and your levels of commitment have really sucked the energy out of sexuality. Maybe you need more time apart. You know, you can still be living together, deeply committed, deeply monogamous, but like taking time apart, going off and doing a night with your friends, you know, doing a weekend away with your family, allowing a little bit of space and distance can sometimes be what's needed. Sometimes there's too much closeness. And then other times it's again, because we're um, too committed. And what we had in the beginning isn't really realistic for our expectation to be as to how it is now years down the road. Right? And on other shows we'll talk about what you do, but right now we're just talking about reasons as to why maybe your erections aren't exactly what they want. Um, Here's another one that people love hearing. And I say this punchy, you know, maybe you're just boring sexually, right? Like some partners are too vanilla, or too boring to really turn us on or get us off. That can be the case. We're playing it real safe. We're playing it real basic. And most of us are not vanilla or basic. Like 75% of us are actually a little more creative and diverse and kinky. But as we move into familiarity and commitment with partners, things feel more fragile. We, we often feel more vulnerable and we stop pushing, challenging, growing, and really leaning into the truth of who we are. Some people are about one position only, one role only. That can get really old and boring when we're always doing step one, then step two, then step three. I know where, I know when, I know how. That's not exciting. That's not maybe enough sexual energy to really keep us erect at all as long as we want. So sometimes you have to find some novelty, you have to switch it up. Um, Because again, physical attraction does not promise chemistry or sexual compatibility. And that's why I'm always about having sex sooner to really weigh in on that, to see what's possible and to say, is that something I can commit to or sign up to long-term, right? We need to understand that. It's part of a healthy adult commitment is looking at all levels of compatibility and chemistry and assessing it. Um, And sometimes it's also just part of having low low body esteem, low self-esteem. Self-esteem includes how we feel about our body, and that body esteem part is impacted by how we feel about things like our penises, our sexual body, our sexual functioning, right? Our penis shape, our penis size, how it operates, right? So that's in there. So ask yourself about that. Maybe it's work you need to do on yourself. Maybe you're really comparing yourself to others or you're comparing yourself to what you see in porn, right? Or you're not really understanding the diversity that can be for bodies and penises. Maybe the research isn't doing that. But at any point during sex, our psychology can override our partner, how hot they are, our stimulation, if we're not feeling good about ourselves. Because our internal experience of our partner, the sex we're having in ourselves matters right? So if we're not comfortable or confident with our bodies, then our sex drive is going to suffer. Our sexual self-esteem is impacted by how desirable we find ourselves and how desirable we find our partner, how desirable we think our partner finds us as well. It's like that trifecta. So really ask yourself about that. Are you withholding? Are you shutting down, right? Is it maybe that you're in your head? And what might that be? Why might that be? What might be the cause of that? Because how we feel about our genitals is an often ignored part of how we talk about sex or even mental health and self-esteem, but it matters, especially when we're talking about this topic. It matters greatly. It's a feedback loop, right? We'll keep talking more about it, but I thought that this was important to drop in there. I did a segment pretty different from this, but similar on some hand, and I just thought it was a good circle back. So, uh, but coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, as always drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, there they all are. Um, but yeah, Loveline is uh, brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Taking a little break. We'll be back. Stick around.
0: Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash podcast.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: All right, now it's time to glide into the DMs. Brought to you by Astro Glide.
1: Gliding into the DMs.
3: DMs come from my... look Look how enthusiastic I am about that. I love it. I love it. I love it. We need more lube. Lube is one of the most phenomenally most under-acknowledged elements of enhancing sexuality. We'll talk about it, we'll talk about it, but definitely get that lube in there. Uh, Anyway, back on track DMs. They come from our Loveline IG page. You got a DM for us, drop it in there. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. My girlfriend and I have been together for almost two years now. We don't live together, so we've been seeing each other a lot less due to quarantine, which is totally cool for us. Good. The other day, she suggested that we talk to other people to see if an open relationship is something we wanna try. I feel like this is her way of breaking up with me because she's never said anything like that before. Don't really know what to do or, uh, or what my question is. <laughs> I love that. It's okay. I'll find it. Uh, I just either feel like she wants to leave me and she's scared to tell me or she's already cheating and this is her way of covering it up. Well, in my experience, I've never seen this used as a way to cover up cheating, but I suppose that anything's possible. I guess my first question is why do you feel as though you can't ask her? Why do you feel as though this can't be something the two of you clarify and talk about together? So zero in first on that. Like the content of this discussion matters, but so does the process. And you're basically... Kind of asking me something I don't really know how to answer. I don't I don't know what this would mean for them. You have to ask her. Hey, you brought up a open relationship. You've never brought that up before. Can you tell me why now or what that means for you, right? Or what what you're hoping that will create? You need to go to her. A lot of questions people ask. the The honest answer is I don't know. You should ask them. But the bigger question usually becomes Why do you feel as though you can't? Let's work on having these honest, transparent relationships with those in our lives, especially people that were. In a romantic or sexual relationship with. So that's my first point. The second point, though, is like I said, I I rarely have seen it as a way to normalize cheating because, you know, different styles of open relationships are about preserving the primary. We don't open up relationships or have secondary, you know, poly relationships as a way to like get away from the first one. And if we are, you're misusing what that's all about, right? So if you don't want to be the person you're with, leave. And if you do, then it's okay to say you want something more open or poly. There's nothing wrong with that, right? We're allowed to ask for that. Um, so I want the two of you to really sit down and bond over this topic. What's that about? What are your share your fears, share your concerns, share what you're excited about, share what the vision is you have. Um, what do you hope is born out of it? Anything, anything additional is additional, which means it can make it more complicated, but it can also bring a lot of joy, you know, a lot of pleasure, a lot of self-learning. Uh, it's more responsibility. But the two of you have been together long enough, You should be able to talk about this. I appreciate that you deal well with space and distance. It might be this person, your partner, realizing that they want more than one relationship. Um, not everyone is built for monogamy. Not everyone is monogamous. Some people talk more about relational orientations where or some people are very monogacentric and other people, it's more diverse than that. And that's a beautiful thing that we now have a little more care and support around that. Also, there's tens of amazing books that are out there talking about how to really have healthy, open relationships. So lean into that as well. You know, do some reading. Do some research. But my bigger therapeutic interest is around why do you feel as though that you can't talk this out and get clarification directly from them? Because that's really where you can get the most honest, necessary answers from. So go back to your relationship, pose these questions. As always, be loving about it. It's very soft, kind startup, you know, nothing accusatory. And um see how you feel about the answers. Maybe you'll have deeper questions or maybe it all makes sense or maybe you'll realize this just isn't something that's right for me. Because maybe your partner will say, I'm not sure how I feel about us and I wanna try being with others as a way to learn more. I don't know, you know, so much more to come. But that's part of relationships. We don't always grow in the same direction, in the same alignment, on the same page with the same needs. The person we were when we met, someone is often different two years later, five years later, 10 years later. And we have to ask for some different accommodations and changes. Don't be afraid of that. You know, healthy relationships with healthy people can form healthy secondary relationships, you know? So it's not necessarily a sign of them wanting to leave or exit. So don't panic, you know? All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow we're gonna to be talking about how to not be a people pleaser. Also how to deal with anger better. Uh, yes, we all have something to learn in that. So uh, stick around and join us. Past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com and uh, drop us a question in the DMs on the Level Energy page. That's where the DMs come from. What if you're wondering about, we got answers for you. Spend the rest of the night, though, focusing on some self-care, self, self care, some pleasure and joy, lots of rest, and as always, center your mental health. Thanks for hanging out, y'all, and you enjoy the rest of your night.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?